Hello, good evening, and welcome. I'm Simon Bestwick. And I'm Gemma Files, and this, of course, is No Darkness But Ours. Now, <laughs> one of the things we've done quite uh, quite a few times uh, in the last few months is what we call a, a deep dive, which is essentially, for want of a better term, which is where we will take a particular film we really, really like, and we will discuss it at uh, as great a length as uh, our audience can tolerate, or possibly a greater length than our audience can tolerate. That remains to be seen. Um, and that we've done that with uh, films such as Pendus Fen, mm-hmm. uh, In the Earth, uh, Dust Devil, the main... Yeah, Aterrados. And Aterrados, yes, the Argentinian yes. film Aterrados. Um, this, all, all of those so far have been paywall. You have to be a subscriber to the channel or to our Patreon account to have a listen to them. So this one is going to be a bit different. This is going to be the first one where uh, it's available to the public for free so you can hear the kind of stuff we, we witter on about. Um, it's also different because this is um, going to be the first uh, podcast we do where the topic is chosen by our listeners. Uh, we did a Twitter poll. Um, we had well, we, we kind of narrowed it down to us. We had been talking about uh, the films of Eric Red or films written or co-written by Eric Red, and yeah. you know, sort of asked which one do you want us to to talk about? And we offered them a, a toss-up between Near Dark, The Hitcher, and Blue Steel. Yeah. Um, overwhelmingly, the uh, the verdict was do Near Dark. I still want us to do The Hitcher and Blue Steel. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, but. Near Dark, it's not a surprise, and uh, it's very, just rewatched it uh, tonight, um, the first time in a while, and um, interesting to compare this to The Lost Boys, which came out around the same sort of time, and it's interesting how many parallels there are, not least that each one includes uh, a, a, one of the sons of the actor Jason Miller in its cast, uh, Father Caris from um, uh, The Exorcist, uh, as the father of both Jason Patrick, who plays Michael in The Lost Boys, and Joshua Miller, who plays the spectacularly repulsive uh, <laughs> child vampire Homer in yes. Near I mean, Homer is kind of, he's like the polar opposite of Claudia in Interview with the Vampire, who's this like angelically, angelically beautiful child who's like a rapacious predator. He's like, everything yeah. about him makes you... Weird, your... weird, pudgy little horror show with a lisp <laughs> and, you know. it's a weird pudgy little horror show myself as a child and not with a lisp yeah. so i should be more sympathetic but you know yeah. everything about him just makes you so sort of, if, if he was you know if if you know if he, he's the kind of child who you know who should be on uh you know jordex posters um and your know, planned parenthood ads uh you know um ugh, ugh. Yeah, and 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 Joshua Miller made a little tiny bit of a career there for a while playing uh, preteen sociopaths, essentially, no. um, because he also is in River's Edge uh, oh. as I think Keanu Reeves's younger brother, who's pretty obviously on his way to becoming Homer. <laughs> so. Um... Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of parallels, actually, between... I mean, both of them also have a, a, a really memorable soundtrack. Uh, yeah. The Lost Boys, I still, the, the, that soundtrack CD, I think, is still is still, on, is still selling these days, you know, complete yeah. with, with, from, um, you know, sort of Echo and the Bunnymen covering the doors as people are strange to Beauty Has Her Way by Mummy Calls, which Kate right. came down the aisle to at our wedding. Uh, oh, God, to, I love that song. 
Absolutely. Why, 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 would, why did that band ever make it bigger? Um, and Timmy Capello showing up for, uh, despite nobody having asked him to, I mean, long hair, um, saxophone. I still believe. Us. Stripped to the waist with his with his abs all glistening with olive oil. Um, you know, absolutely. Again, who, who can uh, who could not love the Lost Boys? Um, but I mean, the lot. Um, but well, as Near Dark has a soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. And that's all you really need to say. Um, but both of them, I mean, it's kind of... Also an, an amazing use of diegetic music, particularly mm. in the oh. scene in the bar. Oh, my God, yes. Holy yes. Holy fuck. <laughs> the more I about it, the more parallels I could see. Like, in both cases, you've got this... You've got a single-parent family. The father and Neodart, the mother and the Lost Boys, you with two children and, and the older brother... Uh, right. the, the two siblings is basically drawn into this other group yes by... this this other weird found family made yeah. family um although i mean it's it's a homosocial group in the lost boys yeah um, it's more of a nuclear family and uh, and more of a nuclear family and yeah um in near dark uh i mean i guess you could make a an argument that you know, David and Star, the mom and the dad, and I'm like, no, uh, Star is David's beard. <laughs> you know, she's she's a she's a honey trap. <laughs> I think she knows very it. Much so very much yeah. so. It's a very very. It is strictly yes, it's, it's, yeah. It's a total sausage fest apart from her. Um, so there's a, a there's a beautiful young woman who draws him into that family and who, in extricating himself from it, he also extricates her from it oh and both families also include a little a little boy vampire that's true that is absolutely true and both of them include the idea that vampirism is reversible yes yes although again one of the interesting things in is that um potentially I mean, boys, potentially reversible yeah. in the lost boys there is this line that's a cross with the if you as long as you do not cross the line of actually killing somebody mm -hmm. uh, feed your thirst for blood then you can still come back because May in in Near Dark has she spent about four years. Yeah, uh, and she's oh. she's killed lots of people as far as I can tell. She's she's probably you know responsible for an amazing amount of yeah. you know <laughs> dead mean, guys but, and unhappy families. <laughs> if they're killing like virtually every night, then that's yes, that's a lot a very high body count. I think possibly one thing we should do is just have a quick. Do a quick summation of the plot. Okay, so Caleb, um, a young cowboy, uh, he lives at home with his uh, with his widowed father, Loy, um, played by uh, Tim Thomerson, uh, and his younger sister, Sarah. Um, and you know, um, they're definitely down home folks, but uh, they but their their life is pretty. You know, it's, it's kind of boring in its way. Um, and one night he puts on his cowboy hat and goes into town to try and find some fun with his boring high school friends. <laughs> and <laughs> out into the night comes May, uh, played by Jenny Wright. And um, yeah, Caleb is Adrian Pazdar, by the way. Adrian Pazdar at his dewiest, youngest, you know, pre-prophet, pre-heroes. You know, mm, looking good. Anyway, so drooling on the the keyboard. There. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so, um, 
basically, uh, he sees May, she sees him, immediate sparks. And, yeah, he looks up from slapping a mosquito to look at her. And um, she, uh, and he comes over and he starts to try and charm her, you know, and uh, takes her to see his horse because he, he's like, all girls lack horses. Evil. You know, um, immediately, you can tell that there's something a little weird about May because, and she says it herself, you, no, you ain't never met no girls like me, you know, um, because his horse is freaked out by her. Um, she immediately starts talking about how, you know, the light from those distant stars won't reach Earth until a million years later, but I'll still be here and that's why, you know, da-da. Um, uh, she, then she realizes that the sun's about to come up. Uh, that things are getting a little lighter than she thought they were getting. And she starts begging him to take her home. Um, and he refuses to do so until she kisses him. So she he sort of tries to extort a kiss out of her. And instead of kissing him, although she does sort of start to, you know, and it's an amazingly hot moment, um, she bites him in the neck and <laughs> runs off. <laughs> across the fields and he's like whoa what you know what the hell um his car has broken down so he starts stumbling home the sun comes up and he begins to smoke yeah and as his smoke starts pouring from him yeah like, he's yeah, like, 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 smoke yeah, he's, starts pouring out every everywhere his hands are charring his skin is bubbling He's like, what? You know, his sister looks out the window and goes, oh, there's Caleb. There's something wrong with him, daddy. You know, and as his dad comes out to try and get to him, um, a van with blacked out windows. <laughs> suddenly One of those big sort of. Yeah, it's like a Winnebago. Yeah. yeah. Um, suddenly appears um, driving real hard across across the furrows and. Somebody somebody reaches out an arm, grabs Caleb up, and whoop, the van goes off. And his dad is like, what? And immediately, Caleb knows that he's in terrible trouble because he's stuck inside this Winnebago with these very odd people. Um, these people are Severin, played by Bill Paxton, um, Jesse, played by Lance Henriksen, and Diamondback. Uh, played by Jeanette Goldstein. Also, Homer. <laughs> Not Homo. <laughs> played by... As, as, he, as he says when he grabs him by the book, Homer. H-O-M-E-R. Mispronounced and I wouldn't want to be you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and... Twelve-year-olds or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And these are, these are ostensibly May's relatives. This is her home. This is these. This is May's family. Um, they and they argue about whether or not they're going to kill Caleb. Um, and May intersposes herself between Caleb and and Severin, and says, um, "You know, he's he's been he's been bit, but he ain't been bled. He'll have changed by now. You know." And it's at this point that if you know anything about horror, um, you're like. Oh, these people are fucking vampires. And they are. <laughs> yes. And, yes. We, and we, you know, and we plunge into a movie in which the word vampire is never spoken. 
Yeah. You know, it is it is a movie about an outlaw family. It is a movie about a man who, you know, is stuck inside of it because of love and addiction. You know, yeah. because very quickly he discovers that he can't get away from May because you know, <laughs> the first night that they stop uh, after switching vehicles, which they do all the time, um, you know, setting the Winnebago on fire and finding, you know, and uh, blacking out the, you know, the, the windows of the next vehicle. Um, they, uh, you know, he, he, he gets out and he's like, I got to go home. I, you know, my, my pa and my, and my sister will be waiting for me. You know, it's like, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you're a nice girl, but I got to go home. And, and she's like, yeah, you won't get too far. <laughs> yeah. And he very quickly, I mean, he's look. He looks. I mean, I remember thinking he gets to the bus station, and he, you know, he looks like he's in the full, like at the throes of full blown heroin withdrawal. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, the guy who won't, you know, won't sell him a ticket because he's three dollars short knows it. You know, the the um the the bus station dick knows it. You know, but I just I remember thinking that that cop actually treats him quite decently, considering yes. he obviously yes. sees. Him. He gives him. He actually gives him. He, I don't think he'd give him the money if he did. If he thought he's, he's just going to stick that in his arm, he thought, "Okay, get the bus, get home, yeah. be yeah, a good go boy. home, be a good boy." Yeah, <laughs> I just remember thinking, "Could chat." I remember sort of commenting, you know, sort of thank God you're halfway de- a cop who's a halfway decent human being, but also contrasting him to the sheriff back at uh, back at Caleb's place, who's been, "Well, you know, we're doing what we can." Law. It's kind of like he's that. He's, he's the, well, he's it's the, not the, good what, enough. Where's my son? He's been more. He's, he's been. He's been more helpful to to Caleb and his family in five minutes than this dickhead has in like two days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. So Caleb gets on the bus, but you know, almost immediately he starts feeling like he's going to throw up. Yes, you know, he, they have to let him out, and as he's kneeling, retching in the dirt, he looks up and there's May, and she's like leaning against the car nearby. She's like, "I told you so," <laughs> you know. And he comes over, and she bites open her I've, I've got something for you you know and she bites open her wrist and he latches onto it like a baby with a bottle mm. baby with the breast yeah and um right, breast particularly <laughs> immediately immediately he understands that this is what he what he needs um yeah. and you know so for the next you know, we watch them going from town to town. We watch them preying on people. Um, and for the next couple of nights, you know, uh, it is, again, the the trio the, that drives everything is Severin, Jesse, and Diamondback. And, you know, they're very clear. You know, it's like, May, you can't do this. You can't just carry this guy. You know, it's like, you, you can't just feed him. He has to he kill. Has to kill. Yeah. He has to do that. Because otherwise, he can't stay with us. You know, it's like, uh, otherwise we're, you know, we're going to have to, you know, you, you kill you without killing you just means you'll be uncomfortable for a real long time. <laughs> I, I take it they're going to like bury him, you know, face down. <laughs> or maybe they're just going to feed him to put firm into the sunlight kind of thing. I mean, yeah, I suppose that would, that would be a very long and painful way to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to, Another thing I was thinking, because obviously he's he doesn't cross the line of actually killing someone, but there is uh, the scene when they're with the truck driver and when yes. May is obviously trying to get him to kill the guy. Yeah, and can't do it. He's throwing up, and the guy is like, "You, you know, you're okay." 
And you can see Mace sneaking up behind the guy, so he could warn him. But he, he chooses not to. He chooses. He, he looks away, carries on throwing up, ensures the guy's distracted. So yeah, he's. And she just. Yeah. So he know, does. She's, she's a good little killer. You know, she's, she's yeah. learned her lessons. But he doesn't. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't actually do any killing himself. He's perfectly. Mm-hmm. He's, he's quite complicit in that murder. Because he's, yeah. he's, he won't, he may not, he may not quite be able to do it himself, but he can certainly. He absolutely knows that he blood. cannot survive without blood, that he can't, yeah. you know, and yeah, that blood is now his heroine, that blood is now the thing that, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean, and we get that amazing scene where uh, he's feeding from her next to the oil derricks. Yeah, yes. And the the pumping motion is like, his heart, you know, as yeah. he's feeding from her and her heart and the way that they're starting to, you know, um, synchronize, I guess. And and she has to, like, push him off of her because he's, he's taking sitting, too much. And he's just lying there grinning even when she says, you could kill me if you drink too much. Yeah, he, exactly. Uh, grinning and drooling blood. Anyway, so, you know, but but as uh, as Jesse says, this can't go on. You know, you got to be a man. You know, so um, the next night uh, they go to a bar, yeah. and just the most amazing scene. <laughs> <laughs> so we see them coming up over the ridge, and they're backlit by again this sort of sodium light. You know, of you know, it's like that that whole thing of America open all night. You know, mm. it's like the the freeway, the you know the highway um, culture where nothing ever closes. You know, there's always a place to drink, always a place to eat, always a place to find people to kill. It's, and, very, much a, it's very much a room. It's about traveling across America, but it's not a, a picture. It's not a particularly picturesque one. There's like barren farm fields, truck stops, motels. It's all this, uh, you, know, yeah. it's, it, you know, the oil derricks. It's all, it's, all, it, it's, it's all industry. It's machinery that keeps... Well, it's the machinery of America, you know, it's like, yeah. the and, and the freeways are like the veins of America, you know, uh, they're taking away the garbage and they're bringing in the food, you know. Yeah, um, like, uh, like uh, the veins and arteries of the uh, the body. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, again, that serial killer thing, you know, so many, so many people end up being called something like the I-95 killer. Yeah. You know, because truck, truckers truck stops, highways, you know, hitchhikers. That's like the backbone of finding it's, places to kill people who will not be missed. So much, so much of it is taking place in transitional spaces. Yes, yeah. transitory, space. transitory uh, places. Yeah, you know, places that, you know, it's like you could come by in a year and that place could be gone, you know, yeah. but something else would have taken its place. Because there's always got to be a place to to stop long enough to kill somebody. Anyway, so um, so they go into the bar uh, and this incredibly choreographed scene, which I used to show in show in class, <laughs> um, because it's some of the some of the most amazingly choreographed violence, but also uh, you know like the lo- one of the longest scenes. It's broken down into sections, and each section is scored to a different um, piece of music coming out of the jukebox. Yeah, and <laughs> um, covering uh, F- uh, "Fever" by Peggy Lee. Yes, 
Yes, that's right. And, uh, you know, so Severin taking, um, taking Caleb to the bar, trying to get him into a fight with a barfly. Yeah. Yeah. Hit him again. I'm trying to teach him something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get it back, Caleb. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, it's like you can totally see how weirdly glamorous it's not I'm, it's not glamorous at all. But there's something about, you know, the energy of like going into a place knowing that you can kill everybody inside. And indeed, you are going to kill everybody inside. And this place will become like the Marie fucking Celeste of, you know, barroom massacres. You know, it's like no one will ever figure out who did this, you know, or how it happens so fast, you know, Um the, you know, slit the barmaid's um, throat and drain her into a stein and pass it around, you know. Um, God, uh, the, you know, the, the dance that Severin does on top of the, on top of the bar. You name for you, Mr. Pig Knuckle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Having trouble with your hog leg. You know, it's like. Will Paxton is so fucking crazy in this film and makes total sense because, uh, you know, they had to shoot at night all the time um, and they were shooting crazy fast. <laughs> and, you know, at one point he uh, he developed some kind of, um, you know, like some some kind of cold or something like that. He, he was just like feeling really bad and somebody had to come to come to the set and give him a B12 injection. <laughs> and, and that was right before that scene. So the highest balls. Yeah, he was he was super high as balls. And he and uh, Jeanette Goldstein and um, and Lan Lance Henriksen used to go around in character. Oh god. When they had gotten off of shift. <laughs> they just sort of like you know just freak people out <laughs> apparently uh yeah Jeanette I think Jeanette Goldstein said that uh Lance and Bill started doing that near a cop and freaking him out and she was just she was just like he's gonna shoot you, <laughs> you know, you've, got to stop. you've got to stop looking at him like that <laughs> And then having, when everyone else in the bar is dead, um, uh, mate, there's this one terrified young lad, uh, played by James Legro, who That's played right. uh, played um, uh, Mike in the second Phantasm movie, That's before right. he got a Michael Bolden back. Uh, she just very tenderly, very tenderly coaxes him out into the dance floor to dance with her. Um, and, you know, of course, she looks... Uh, in other circumstances, of course, this would be the these, this yeah. young lad's dream come true. My God, just right, taking me out there. And then she turns around and says, and this goes, "Caleb, he's yours." And this is, of course, he's, he's got for a, you, Caleb. And he's just like, ah. <laughs> as is as is the younger, as is James the Gross character. Yeah, exactly. Jumps out the nearest window, understandably. <laughs> jumps out the window. Caleb goes after him and brings him down, but he still can't do it. He lets him go. And yeah. everyone is so angry at him. Um, oh, not yeah. me, obviously, but you know. Uh, and they, they're, they're like, "This is the end. This is the end. This is the end for you." You know. But we got to get out of the fucking sun. So we'll talk about this later. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so, Jesse's pissed off with May as well. Yeah, you yes. both fucked up because, but she's, yeah, she's caused all this. And uh, Homer is, of course, practically creaming himself at the thought of uh, finally. You know, I think he actually says just like chuck him out now and let him, you know, 
go and get a suntan. Yeah, He's exactly. Horrible, I mean, deeply, deeply horrible repellent character. Uh, just on every single level, that little shit. Um, yeah. uh, so so they, they, they stop at a... Um, it's it's not a motel per se. It's like a, a place with a whole bunch of little cabins. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's it's interesting when Jesse goes in to get uh, set yes. up in one of the cabins. The the this very old man <laughs> comes out. And it's a bit like uh, in from Dust Till Dawn. It's like ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> what the what do you want? What a fucking room you. <laughs> old man what do you think i fucking want <laughs> you know, like, but and, and he, in this case you know he's he gives jesse the key and, and the sun is coming up so the sunlight is kind of edging yeah, across the desk like, <laughs> wrap, his, wrap his hand in a scarf to take the keys yeah that's right he gives jesse the key and he says didn't you come by sometime yeah i recognize you and he's like yeah, I come through here every 30 years or so. <laughs> make me a reservation. <laughs> yeah, make me a reservation. <laughs> and, you know, and you're like, oh my God, that guy must have been like 20 the last time you came through here. <laughs> and then they hold up and then the police are at the door. The police so, are at the door and they up. open the door. Severin opens the door and he realizes that the sun is still up. They 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 fell asleep for like a second, and and now the sun is still up. And yeah, and it's it's a shootout. It's a you know it's like it's it's like the hole in the wall gang. You yeah, know, they all bust out their guns. They start shooting through the walls. The cops start shooting through the walls. Which Sunlight's is coming in. Sunlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prompting like, a burn. with a great bit of dialogue. How are you doing, Jesse? Like shit. How are you? I'm down on my last inch of skin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and again, you know, it's like they're so happy about it in a strange way. You know, yeah. it's like, well, we always knew it it'd end like this. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you know, even even May's like, you know, <laughs> gets gets kicked a gun and she's she's also you know, shooting through the through the wall. Um, and Caleb says, you know, give me a blanket. I'm going to make a run for it. I'm going to make a run for the car. You know, Jesse's like, okay, son. Why? Yeah, try it. You know. He's grandpa, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesse, like he grandpa. Just go, okay, son. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he calls him grandpa. And, um, and this is when the tide starts to turn for, for Caleb. Because he's willing to risk himself. He's willing to risk himself for May, but he risks himself for everybody else at the same time. Yeah. And you know, uh, and he goes out and he's got the he's got the um he's, he's got a blanket. Cover, he's as covered as possible, but he immediately starts to burn. Immediately it starts to cook. Keep shooting him. So he, <laughs> yeah, cops, cops are shooting him in his legs. He's he's going down on one knee, going down on the other, you know. And um, you know, and he just keeps running, and the the blanket bursts into fly into flame. He just keeps running. You know, he manages to make it into the car, and then he drives the entire car through the wall of the of the cabin, and all of them jump inside. And, they and then he drives out, the, drives out through the other wall. <laughs> drives out through the other wall. You know, and um, and suddenly Caleb is the hero. 
Yeah, mud of the hour kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and they're laughing and they're, you know, you did good, son. You know, right. it's like, and, and he's happy to be accepted by these people, much like his, you know, his, his complicity in May killing people to yeah. feed him the blood. He's happy to be accepted by these people because he just hanging around with them is tainting. Just hanging around with them will, you know, start to change you into a person that you don't want to be. There was a big buzz. What she says to him, doesn't she? It's a really telling line. The night has a price. Yeah, the night has a price. Yeah, that's right. Not, he's not willing to pay, but he really, really does like all the stuff that you get for it. But yeah, absolutely. So they, you know, they end up at an. By the time the sun goes down, they're at another motel, and this turns out to be the motel that Loy and Sarah have come to after looking every fucking where for Caleb. Yeah, going out and trying to do what the cops aren't doing for them. And um, yeah, and and this is and this is where things start to turn. And, you know, we move into the final the final sequence. Um, It is just such a good film. Just such a good film. If you haven't seen it, see it. Why haven't you seen it? Just see it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, my, my husband often points out that if you genuinely had to drain an entire human being every night, it's it's just unviable. That type of vampirism is absolutely unviable. And I agree with that. Um, You know, even if you're saying things like, "Okay, well, you drain a person and then you break their neck, you know, you don't. You don't drain them to the point of blood and then leave them because then they turn into a vampire or whatever. Well, I think she says with Caleb that you know he's he's been bit but he ain't been bled. That's right. It's, it's, it's the actual bite. Where you, if you if you if you suck up if you suck out the blood if you suck out the blood and they die as long as they die. Ah, yeah. so it's the saliva. That's interesting. Yeah. So in fact, taking somebody's you know entire blood supply out and giving them human blood should not do a fucking thing, really. Well, I mean, it, it struck me as interesting. Um, I mean, of course, but if, again, if you look in terms of family dynamics, because we mm. people often talk about family in terms of blood, and yes. so and Caleb's the the you know, Loy and um, and his and his and his sister are basically Caleb's blood family would be the, the phrase that some people would use. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so you, it's, I mean, in case would it's the transfusion that Loy, that his father gives him that saves him. Yeah. So whether there's a thing there that's rarefying the his 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 genetic family, yeah. Uh, which and in, but again, as, that shouldn't work for me. Well, um, again, there's the there's a, it's the, the the mingling of blood. It's a very ah. Uh, so the idea is that it's Caleb's Caleb's love for her. Possibly, yeah. yeah well, the fact that they they have that bond. She she he takes it. She she absorbed him into his family. Now he absorbed her, her family. Her. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's true. She was she was the first person to accept him, the only person to accept him for a long time. But then he was accepted into that family. But then that family is decimated. You know, every other member of that family dies, including the person who one one assumes is the patriarch of the family, uh, the oldest member, the person from whom the polluted blood line descends. And you can hear the second part of our deep dive into Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark here at the same time next week. No Darkness But Ours is made possible through generous donations from horror enthusiasts just like you. 
If you'd like to support us, you can sign up to our Patreon and get access to exclusive content, or you can make a one-off donation via Ko-Fi. Links in the description below. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know in the comments, share and subscribe, and don't forget to hit the like button if you're watching us on YouTube. Let us know as well if there's anything you'd really like to hear us talking about in the future, and we'll be back with more at the same time next week. Until then, I have been Simon Bestwick. And I remain Gemma Files, and this has of course been No Darkness, Darkness. But Art. Darkness.